What would it take to arouse your life, to experience more connection, more pleasure, more realness in and outside of the bedroom? I'm August McLaughlin, and this is Girl Boner Radio. For many people, going overboard on alcohol can tank arousal and make erections of all kinds not so easy to come by. But what if your partner can't really function without it? Do things that you have heard can really turn folks on work for you? And what is the deal with pubic hair? We are going to explore these topics and more today with two awesome guests, Alice Vaughn and Yvette Dontremont, co-hosts of the podcast Two Girls, One Mike. Alice is the creator of Offensive Crayons, incredible adults-only crayons for the wildly artistic and they have a healthy sense of humor. Yvette runs the blog Babe, which aims to clear up misinformation about science, health, and nutrition. If this episode turns you on or you would like to get turned on later, head to The Pleasure Chest to shop for toys and lube and more. They're running their sexiest sale of the year, Wednesday, November 27th through Cyber Monday, which is December 2nd. Get 20% off site-wide and 25% off all Fun Factory products. Get free shipping on all orders placed on Cyber Monday as well. Head to thepleasurechest.com or click the link in the show notes to start shopping. I'm also super excited to share that Dr. Megan Fleming is cooking up something awesome for everybody who's interested in improving their sex life and relationships and maybe struggling um, sexually, feeling in a rut, wanting to uh, feel more connected to their pleasure or their desires. We will share much more soon. Welcome, Alice and Yvette. How are you? Doing good. How are you? Thank you for having us. I'm so excited to have you here. I really love your show and uh, your products that you create are amazing. I wonder if we could start by sharing uh, a little bit about your backgrounds. What did you learn, Alice, when you were growing up about sex and sexuality? Well, I recall uh, when I was driving with my parents home uh, from a wisdom tooth operation, uh, and I, I vaguely remember this, but definitely to use a condom. And uh, I, I think that was the uh, one thing my parents taught me. And that's really it. We never spoke about it again. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, my sex ed was fairly limited growing up. Uh, I went to Catholic school. So a lot of misinformation, really. Uh, so I almost feel like our podcast has been a form of sex ed the last year and a half. Oh, totally. It's a great form, I think, of sex ed to be both hosting and creating content because you're always learning and talking to people, which I think is some of the best kind of research to, to do. How did all that make you feel? If you could sum up how you felt about sex and sexuality when you were a teen. Lost? Yeah. I mean, no one wants to feel lost, but I mean, when you have to resort to reading the one-page smut in a Cosmo and getting your sex tips from there, which... Oh, oh man. <laughs> Don't put a donut on your man's dick and eat it off. That was probably one of their their, you know, tippy top, you know, Mount Everest of dumb uh well, then Sex there's tips. also uh, taking a shoelace, wrapping it around his dick, and what? basically Indian burning it. Yeah, you're what? welcome. That, that was a what Cosmo. What does that even mean, the... Indian burning it? <laughs> what does that mean? Is it like for a cock ring? Oh, 
Oh, with we're the doing hand lights. motions yeah. here. Friction. Cool. It's it's kind of like lighting a um yeah one of those oh old, yeah. using like a campfire. Oh my god, that's oh. not a thing you should do to a day. You know what? Unless you're into that, I don't want a kink shame. Of course, <laughs> definitely. That's true. There, there's definitely a, a fetish and a kink for everything. Oh yeah. Um, and if you do go about that, being really safe and sane and consensual is important. How about you, Yvette? What do you remember? Oh, from growing up, let's see. Same. I was raised Catholic, so I learned that condoms are bad, birth control is evil, and you should probably lose it in the butt first or Jesus is kicking you out of heaven. So, of course, I lost it in the butt first. How did you learn that you had to take it in the butt first? Because I've heard that from... uh, People who grew up in purity culture because they thought that that was not intercourse. Yeah. Is that because it's the it's the sex that God can't see as the as the hollow notes. Because <laughs> God can't get in our like yeah. Apparently, back of our God, God can see everything except your butthole. And He created everything but the butthole. So probably Satan made the everything butthole. But the, you know what? Maybe if Satan did make the butthole, then I'm on Satan's team because that was worth it and glorious. <laughs> so it was a positive experience. That's no. good. I would say mm, as a teenager, probably not. Uh, but as an adult. I after it was like a 10 year hiatus from butt sex because it's like this is I've been told by society this is wrong and dirty and nobody told me that you need to get an enema kit and a uh, and, and and yeah that's there are things that you learn as an adult uh, that will make that much more pleasurable that if you're all you're told is you have to do this sex in order to not go to hell uh, you're going to make some mistakes <laughs> Amen to that. Yes, absolutely. It's so true. I'd love to go to one of our listener questions first because it's it's a bit of a deep dive and I feel like we can chat about it. There's a lot to kind of unpack. It's uh, from a listener who wrote this. Dear Dr. Megan, I'm a cis female currently seeing a man purely as fun for an escapade and we have the most amazing all night, sometimes all day sex dates. Neither of us is interested in anything more, but his physical ability to maintain a hard on for hours without coming mystifies me because he is also a self-described alcoholic. This isn't an issue for us since we mostly don't leave my apartment. In fact, he seems to be the kind of person who can't have fun or relax without drinking, and he's so functional that he sometimes has to tell me he has been or I wouldn't know. I don't know. I don't have a lot of personal experience with alcoholism, but I have had plenty of times with a non-alcoholic when the drinking prevented or lessened an erection. I have only been with him once when he was completely sober, and it was five minutes of quick, soft penetration and zero libido. To me, a reversal of expected effects. Then he had some edible MJ and was back in business. But while he can rarely orgasm or ejaculate with a person, he does so repeatedly if masturbating, especially while sobering up. Is this to be expected with someone who has been drinking heavily for 15 years? He's 32. He's only in the mood when a little whiskey or weed is in the bloodstream. I wonder if part of his hesitation to give up the booze is the perceived loss of his sex life. I would love to know if you know more. Thank you so much. Lusty only with liquor. Lusty, you get points for the best name that, that you chose. Your, your email had a great name too, by the way. Here's what Dr. Megan Fleming of GreatLifeGreatSex.com had to say. So both August and I love this question, and we're going to call you Lusty because we think this is a fabulous question. But we definitely want to recognize that, you know what, you know, it seems like this is something that is not so common, and both men and women need to hear this answer. The reality is that for most men, it's true, right, that too much alcohol, a little bit of alcohol is disinhibiting, relaxing, but too much 
obviously definitely impacts erection as well as ejaculatory control. So in this context, it's like, hmm, I don't know. Is he like, he's a tantric expert on some level? Because we definitely know that seminal retention is a practice in tantra that is separating orgasm from ejaculation and that frequent sexual arousal without ejaculation builds stamina and self-control. So it definitely could be that. And or, I'll give you a few hypotheses here. It certainly could be true that uh, also we call it an idiosyncratic masturbation style. That the level of stimulation, we, we sort of refer to the three Fs, which is friction, frenulum, and force. So the idea there is that the level of stimulation that he can provide on his own, I often speak to him about vibrators in this way, but that he can has conditioned himself, right, essentially, to a level of stimulation that you cannot provide with um, and so therefore that may be also contributing to his stamina. And the third hypothesis and or thing to consider is, wow, from a psychic perspective or attachment perspective, um, I'm so noticing that you're saying without alcohol and or pot, marijuana or some other substance, it's as if he doesn't have the capacity to desire. So that right there, honestly, gives me the biggest pause because the foundation of arousal is relaxation. And my sense is, and I don't know the why, even though this is just a playmate, but the point being, isn't it interesting that if he is not under some substance, he doesn't have the capacity to relax, to be present, to, you know, feel in his body and his arousal. And so, you know, it almost reminds me of, I don't know if you took an intro psych course, but Pavlov's dog, the reality is he's almost like a conditioned response, right? That twofold. One is under the conditions of alcohol, marijuana, whatever the substance is, he is able to relax and relax is conditioned to arousal. So is it just that, but it's, but it's also a state of mind. Like, so is it like his superpower? Like in his, this is the part, the, our biggest sex organ is our brain, right? So how is it in his own mind's eye that when he's using in whatever capacity that looks like, he is a superman, right? He really, he's relaxed. He knows he's, you know, he's owning that space and he's lasting a really, really, really long time. And so, you know, it's hard to know whether it's a conditioned response, a Pavlovian response and, or, um, like I said earlier, can, partly about his, uh, masturbation and the fact that the level of stimulation he needs, you can't provide it. It's definitely multi-determined, but what I definitely get is that you both are having fun. So let's not overanalyze this. Let's not make it too complicated. At the end of the day, have fun, enjoy one another. And listen, 
I guess a part of me, you know, I can't help myself. I'm a psychologist. would definitely wonder about attachment issues and about commitment, security, stability in that context, being able to have pleasure and fun. But at the end of the day, as you said, you know what? You're not looking for any of that. This is just a fun escapade. So, you know, relax, enjoy. I think it's a bit of an anomaly, but you know what? It's working. So have an amazing time. As always, love to hear how it goes. Thank you so much, Dr. Megan. I thought she brought some really interesting points uh, about like the Tantra possibility that maybe it's an intentional training thing. Also um, about relaxation. The thing that struck me the most about the question was the part about um, that this person can masturbate without it, which tells me that it's mental. Like anything yeah. you can do by mm-hmm. yourself. It's like if, if you only experience orgasm by yourself and not with a partner, it, that's not a functional, you know, it's not like a physiological thing that's, that's changed. Yeah. Um, so I, I wonder if there's like a real deep fear of like intimacy or performance anxiety or what do you think? It's, there are a handful of, of possible things. It's like where to start unpacking this. But I mean, uh, substances can obviously make your uh, make everything slow down. It's like he might be more aroused when he's drunk, but also because of the drunkenness, uh, might not be able to completely uh, get off. But it said he said that he uh, can masturbate to the point of completion while he's starting to sober up. Uh, so maybe the alcohol is partially affecting him physiologically, but it's also what he needs to get in the mood. Um, but it's. I just heard marathon all day sex session, and my first thought was, how do you not have a permanent urinary tract infection? That's just that's <laughs> really excellent know. hygiene. Maybe there are a lot of pee breaks, <laughs> or maybe it's worth those. You know, because when when we heard about, I saw all of us going, oh, when we when she was describing the fun parts of what's happening, it's uh, it's exciting what she's getting to do and and enjoy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so uh, claps. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, wow. What a workout. Who needs a gym when you have that? Uh, so, but yeah, hey, maybe it's... his name is Jim. <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. Membership I'm just going to call him Jim now because he's just jungle Jim to play on. <laughs> jungle Jim. We have Lusty and Jungle Jim. There mm. we go. It's just a big old sex toy. <laughs> but yeah, I would be curious uh, if he had non-alcoholic beer, for example, to see what the psychological effects might be. Because I know that I am some... Look, I kind of relate to this guy, not as an alcoholic, although I am from New York, so I understand the judgment. <laughs> um, but I understand, you know, wanting to be social and out there and getting into the mood to relax... Um, and for me, a glass of wine, a beer does it. And not for sex necessarily, because for me, that kind of ruins. And I mean, whiskey dick is a known thing for a reason. Um, a lot of it's not uncommon for a lot of people not to come to, you know, come because uh, of alcohol and other substances. It's normal. Um, so, yeah, it makes complete sense that he can finish himself off as he's sobering up. Um, but I would be curious to know... Um, how much of it is psychological uh and i'd be curious you know if he maybe had some stuff that you know um what maybe was placebo how he would react yeah it's there are a lot of different questions at play here uh it's 
but seeing uh, it's it's really not uncommon that someone wants or uses a, a substance to kind of get in the mood. Like Alice is from New York, so she has alcohol. I uh, I'm from California, so of course I smoke some pot. I was going to say uh, CBD or or yeah. There's yeah. I mean, there it's still unknown if there's any effect from CBD on so many things. But right. I'll, I'll you know the yeah, real totally. stuff. That's, <laughs> as I like to say, I don't I don't smoke hipster weed. I smoke the real stuff that gets you high. But it's like don't I'm not I'm not going to buy sadness weed with my money. What are you talking Sadness about? Weed. Well, now they have uh, like cannabis lubes and all kinds of stuff. And there's even Ashley Manta is a sex educator who is a canisexual. And she educates about cannabis like and sex because it helped her heal from um, trauma in many ways. Like she was able to, you know, as you said, do something that made her feel more comfortable and it allowed her to have pleasure again. But she also is an advocate for like the topical stuff, which I've never tried. It's I've seen it before. So uh, briefly, because I'm a freelancer and you do things to uh, to to pay the bills. I worked driving weed delivery, and one of the products w- uh, that they had was a uh, a topical THC concoction to to throw on your clitoris if you needed that extra little boost. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't feel okay having uh, <laughs> rubbing this uh, on on my lady parts, even for test reasons. But like topicals work on other uh, areas for sure. Sh- like they've been shown to work on other parts. So who knows? Knows, maybe it helps. Yeah, who who does know? That would be if it was something that's at least safe. Then I would be interested in doing a study with myself and just try with a placebo and be like, don't tell me which one it is, and just see. Yeah. I, I just think that'd be cool. Yeah, I mean there are some pretty strict standards in place to test for some types of of cannabis products in California, but I don't know how strict the testing is on stuff to apply to your lady parts. So uh, I'm just saying I'm not putting unknown like I I want something that it's past medical grade like the thing about ky jelly is that it's uh it's medical grade that's actually what they use in most hospitals for for lube you know it's got to be safe uh who the fuck knows what 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 happened with the uh with the cantaloupe first right because there just aren't regulations yeah and i come from a manufacturing standpoint and i have um made products from you know not only the crayons at one point i had bath bombs and i had to see what are the different standards and levels of testing for a lot of these products and it's a lot less regulated than a lot of people would make the assumptions so if you're going to buy lube try getting it from or you know any types of uh, products that you're going to be using from on your skin um, don't just go on Amazon. I hate to say it, but unfortunately, Amazon's standards are horrific. Allegedly. I just want to say that so that you don't get sued. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alleg- yeah. This is all alleged. Well, there are, um, we've heard stories about toys being returned. Like you yeah. order a toy on Amazon and it's well, someone else's toy. The oh. problem is with their standards. Um, and I worked actually for a brief period of time uh, in the copyright um, trademark uh, industry. And Amazon does this weird thing that no other platform does, which is um, they basically do fair use on any and all images that are uploaded into the system. So, for example, if I upload an image of, let's say, my product, Offensive Crayons, um, they basically are the only ones where if, say, I was on, let's say, Alibaba, DHgate, um, any other marketplace, and I said, hey, this seller is using my images and it's not the same product, 
they, they would remove it. Yeah. Amazon doesn't do that because they say, well, no, it's fair use within Amazon. So anyone can use those images. So that's why there are knockoffs. Because I've so seen, many. like, you'll Did, order a face product or something. And you're like, oh, it's such a good deal. And in the reviews, it'll be all this five stars. Fake. And then all of a sudden, all one star. Yeah, and you can tell when they switched over. <laughs> yeah, from, they're like, they from dumped out the bottle and put something else oh, in there. Oh, my God. It's, so... That's why when it comes to cosmetics, when it comes to lubes, when it comes to a lot of this stuff, go directly to the manufacturer. Unfortunately, as much as we love two-day shipping stuff, uh, look at who the seller is. If it's not the manufacturer, don't buy it from them. That's a really good tip. I know the Pleasure Chest does, um, they're really careful about, you know, they buy straight from the the, um, company as well. I really like uh, Uber Lube and Sliquid. Oh, Sliquid's yes. a good one. Yeah. I love Uber Lube. Really pure ingredients. Yeah. And a while ago, which was the company that sent us uh, a bottle of their lube and toy cleaner? Was it Bad Dragon? Oh, my God, Their yes. lubes, we, we were sent like two lubes and a giant bottle of toy cleaner and, you know, a couple of things that I, you know, I, I can't fit up my ass yet, but I am not a quitter. Are they supposed to be? <laughs> one of them is a giant egg. Like, it's this, the thing, number one, it glows in the dark. Okay, uh, your hands just showed like a basketball. Is I, that- <laughs> you know, I mean, around, it has to be like, I want to say this thing is four or five inches in diameter and I'm like you know I I don't know if even with two years and and a the 55 gallon drum of lube I'll ever be able to go there maybe I need to get drunk by this like this guy maybe that's all I need and the egg will fit probably not what do we call him again Jungle Jim. Thank you, Jungle Jim. It's you may have just changed everything. It's see, just you need a fifty-five gallon drum of lube. That's <laughs> that's and some time. Oh my that's, goodness, that yes. fixes everything. Lube does fix a lot of things. It's, Orgasms, masturbation, and lube fix a lot of things. Oh God, yes. Yes. So can we talk about pubic hair? I received a question. That when was, aren't we talking about pubic hair? You know, that's a really good point. It's what we've been talking about all morning, just waiting for this, was like, let's talk about our pubic hair. Or... I spent two hours styling it this morning. Just for this <laughs> it's, you put highlights in even. That was special. Oh, mm-hmm. just for today. I really touched. Uh, so I wrote about uh, pubic hair in my book. And the question that I got was just, what do you think about pubic hair? And to me, that tells me... Usually when somebody asks, like, a really short question, there are a lot of layers to it. Yeah. And there's probably some... You're not sure where to start because yeah. you don't know exactly what their question right. deeply was. But, I mean, right. what They're do you think... Right. comfortable. Yeah. And, I mean, I think people have gotten uncomfortable with pubic hair or with having... Like, they see pubic hair as dirty or broken yep. because a lot of a lot of the images we've seen historically in porn for the last, what, 10, 15 years uh, has been bald. And I'm so happy that Bush is kind of coming back and... And it seems that the male gaze enjoys it. We had Tom Arnold on our show. And one of the things he said was, when I watch porn, I want Bush. Oops, sorry. As I bang into the microphone. When I watch porn, I want Bush. <laughs> and like a lot of, and like he was going, and I mean, we get this from people that we have on the show is that uh, this is a thing that was missing from the porniverse for a while. And it seems to have come back because of popular demand. So, uh, you know, I, I think. Yeah, I think that's a, uh, I think that's telling. That's a great thing. I think that's really positive that, that we can see all of different pubes, like different looks, and and if that you don't want to shave it or wax it, like to me, waxing is way too painful. I tried it once and it was, my very unpleasant. My suggestion: hard wax. If you're, it's and to anyone out there who's listening, use hard wax. Do not use soft wax. Are you talking about? Can you? 
do that to yourself or you, you go in? I You go in, but me being an idiot, I've done it to myself before. Um, not not on my girl parts. Uh, but uh, it's hard wax. It's uh, Basically, they don't need strips for it, so they just apply the wax. It hardens. And you think that's going to be the most painful thing in the world. It is maybe a tenth as painful, at least for from at least according to my vagina, it's far less painful. But Interesting. See, I um, purchased one of those strip kits, the soft wax. Oh. oh, so here's the kicker. So I didn't do it right uh, because even when I tried taking it off, it just wouldn't rip. Yeah. Uh, you so, need fast hands. Oh, so the funny part was then I have essentially just layers of wax all over my legs. Oh, no. uh, so how, how did Alice remove all of that? Uh, olive oil. I was about to say it was either baby oil Did or some well? other. Oh lipid. yeah, I was ready to salt pepper myself and throw, throw go in the oven. Little <laughs> little bit of MSG and some garlic, and we're good to go. Mm-hmm. I like it. I, that that part sounded fun to me. The oil part. I don't. Not I don't know oven. that I'll do the wax again. Yeah, it's but it, it pubic hair does protect like a really our most delicate part if you have a vulva, and also. Uh, the hair has uh, pheromones in it. And it's interesting because the research on pheromones, a lot of times when there's a food that they say is an aphrodisiac, it's more placebo, which is fine. If it works for you, great. If you love dark chocolate, I do. Oysters, I don't. You know, like that's going to be a buzzkill for me, for sure. How many Um, oysters? I mean, are we talking one or a thousand? Any amount for me, it would be a a no, for sure. There doesn't seem to be, from what I've read, there doesn't seem to be a ton of evidence that they're actually like that, that they're that they're infiltrating your your vagina and making it hornier. Like there doesn't seem to be any strong. But you know what? If some food makes you feel lustier and se- it's it's a lot of placebo effect. Is yeah. I ex- I'm mm-hmm. I want to be horny and in the mood tonight. Uh, I'm I'm eating a thing that's going to make me horny and in the mood tonight, and so it manifests itself. Totally. So. I have a friend who's turn on his toast, like literally. Toasting bread. I need information. (laughs) It's yeah, right. I mean, seriously, she had an experience that was very erotic. It was one of her first very sexual experiences, and that smell just turns her on. I mean, in Los Angeles, carbs are practically a sexual experience. Like they're they're that they're that pizza candle or or a carb candle yet? Oh God! Oh, carb candle. If someone can just make a candle with the scent of gluten. This is a gluten-scented candle. It's, Does gluten have a smell? It's a protein. It's technically, yes. Anyway, um, so the the studies do show that the pheromones in, in pubic hair, there is some increased arousal, like the smell and the taste, because, you know, that's something we're attracted to in a person. Oh, yeah. So I think that's kind of cool. If if you do want to have pubic hair, that's a cool perk just to keep in mind. And if you don't, that's okay. You brought up a good point earlier about, you know. Oh, facial skin. I didn't mean only uh, trimming. Uh, So uh, I said, yeah, you kind of if you are going to have hair, um, you know, keep a trim for your partner. Um, But yeah, actually, uh, I realized there's two instances you want to keep a trim. So a gentleman, you know, if you use beard oil, try keeping it soft. I had one girlfriend I was out with her. She showed up at the trivia and I kid you not, her face looked like it was ripped off. Well, she she decided to have an eight hour makeout session with a guy half her age. So I was proud of her, but at the same time also offering her ointments. Um, More olive oil? (laughs) <laughs> Probably, yeah. Um, but oh. then down there, I mean, I can't tell you how many times where, you know, you're choking on a hair will take you out of the moment. Yeah, it's having to stop and be like, ah! Again, unless it's a Doing fetish. Doing an impression of your cat. Isn't, isn't pubic hair almost, I mean, it is a fetish. Body hair is a fetish. There's a name for it. I forget what it is. Uh, um, trick D, trick D something or other. 
Who I knows? Anyway, it's, it's out there. It's people, you know what? People like every level of hairiness. Our, our ancestors were fucking through many layers of hair before the scissors were invented. I'm just saying we've done fine with pubic hair. For, we didn't even shave our armpits until about 100 years ago. I'm I'm, I'm not saying to stop shaving your armpits, but, you know, we, we were fine with fucking with hair for such a long time. Yeah. So now it's just, it really is, uh, and I mean, it's, as much as it can feel different and it, it's, you know, that can be gratifying as much as the the new visual can kind of make someone go ooh a little bit more it's no one is sitting there saying no hair is a necessity uh in order to to once you get the clothes off no one's like oh wait you, i see hair showing uh, so yeah. if you like your pubic hair keep it if you don't there are many methods to take it off but yeah. it's the i i, I think I think everyone is fine with genital like if you if someone is at the point where they are not okay with a little bit of hair maybe don't fuck them it may not be a good match for you then, right? Yeah. Absolutely. If- and I think um, because you mentioned porn, people are, you have to see more in porn sometimes. So I could see why that might be more prevalent in yeah. porn. But um, I think it's just really important to know that whatever choice you make, to do it as safely as you can, you know, because people get infections and oh, yeah. all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Is there anything that is like a common turn on that you personally? have just either you just really don't like it or it's just like doesn't do anything for you we're gonna sit here and think for a minute because i think (laughs) we're like but we're always turned on um Let's that see. could be your answer. You know, I'm just i know a lot of people are into girl on girl stuff and that's just never appealed to me yeah it's i find well i find a lot of girl on girl porn is made to be uh to to show the it's like very it's, fetishized it's yeah. it's very uh performative yeah. i think is the word and it's like I, I think we've seen a few porns that Nina Hartley's been in that I've been like, oh, that woman's actually getting pleasure out of that oral sex. Uh, it's so not I mean, pornolingus this time. She's putting, she's getting right the hell on in there with her. That's yeah. that. It's just hint of advice for the viewers: if you see porn and you see oral sex happening on a woman, that woman's not getting pleasure out of it. If you can, if the tongue is like, if the mouth is two inches away from the, it's just that's we call that pornolingus. It's performative oral sex, and exactly. it's not. Um, it's I. I like every so often I'll see a porn with two women having sex and it's like ah this was this is actual sex happening like would happen in my own bedroom and it's better but yeah the stuff that's made for the male gaze is not um is is not as yeah true Erica Lust's work is also much more um concerned about pleasure for for all genders but there's a special focus on women which is nice for sure what about you is there anything or if if you are turned on all the time then it would i guess it would be more what is a turnoff um let's see uh i god that's gonna sound bad but stupidity um but it's i i mean as soon as i find out that someone is because i debunk bad science for a living like but like as soon as i hear someone is is into astrology or is telling me that they have to uh that you have to live on the paleo diet or some sort of uh nutty thing i'm like i'm sorry i just i can't fuck you you're you're not this is i'm gonna think of how dumb you are the entire time so is it a certain type of intelligence like you want academic intelligence? Willful ignorance is a thing that I can't deal with. Ah, okay. It's, I mean, I'm regardless not, of what yeah, it's I mean, because I obviously have friends of you know all different. I think everyone has friends of all different intelligence levels. But as long yeah. as you're using what you've got to accept facts, I'm okay with I it. Gotcha. And it's after like there have been people who are very attractive, and I'm like, I just can't fuck you. 
you're there's something broken in this brain. Um, yeah, oh, ignorance is hard. It's I had the one one guy that I I think was the worst date ever that I almost walked out. Of. Like actually no, two dates that were really horrible back in the day where both the guys were very macho and like and, and they I don't know they they it seemed like they wanted to strut a little bit. Like I was at a bar with a guy first date and he's like that guy over there is looking at you. I'm gonna kick his ass. I'm like. I met you a half hour ago. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, it's, whew, so I mean, kind of the, the macho posturing. Um, yeah. Like, you know what, It's if you if you want to come across as a strong man, you don't have to act like one. Your personality will show it for you. Yeah, really good point. Really good point. So how did you two meet and start your joints? Well, well, I had a, an ad on Craigslist looking for a, for a one-night stand, and, you know, I couldn't get rid of her afterwards. <laughs> And you, here you, we are. You screw her right. She's stuck forever. Actually, no. <laughs> I mean, you like my breakfast in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> but in all seriousness, um, so this is going to sound creepy, but uh, no, I. You're so my weird. favorite creep, though. You're the creep that I took home to mom. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. That's so sweet. Um. So what's funny is I remember seeing your writing. And I remember seeing you at Nexus and thinking to myself, seeing how you carried yourself, seeing how you didn't care about what other people thought and just wanted to be right. I mean, that kind of bullshit busting attitude is what I was all about. And my girl circle was exceptionally non-existent at the time. It's, so and now we have an entire girl. We have a girl squad. We have. We have. We, we have, have a girl squ- militia. Oh, yeah. We're <laughs> coming. We're, we're coming for you. And hopefully we're coming. <laughs> In so many ways. Um, but I remember seeing you and thinking to myself, She's gonna be my friend. It's and I th- you told me that the first time that we really hung out was at um, was at PostaCon this mm-hmm. uh, this atheist conference that I was speaking at. And uh, here's here's a more personal story than our listeners might be uh, m- might have uh, braced themselves for. So I was having a really horrible uh, few months, and one of like the capper of many many things that happened. I was not trying to have a baby, and I had a miscarriage. Uh, so I found out I was had been pregnant via having a and here's the thing I wasn't upset about it brace brace yourselves listeners I was like this saved me four hundred dollars but but at the same look I'm not having children I have physical reasons that I should not be pregnant that's reality but um, my hormones were screwed up I was in a lot of pain and here she shows up with offensive crayons and one of the colors is miscarriage maroon and I'm like thank god I can find a way to cope with this whole fucking situation with someone who can laugh about it uh and i you know it's i get it that there are people that this is such a sensitive subject for but look my experience is uh is valid too absolutely and no two experiences are alike yep Um, and that's why it's so important to have these these tools and these fun things that you create and these weird friends that are okay with laughing at horrible things but that's the thing if you can't everything should be there's there's nothing that should be off limits when it comes to joking. People will say, well, you can never make fun of this horrible instance, you know, that happens to women, uh, you know, miscarriages. Or you can never joke about the Holocaust or 9-11 I'm or I'm half Jewish. I will make all the fucking Holocaust jokes I want. Is that, but- the, is that the thing? Is it that... Do you, are you as comfortable if someone, like a man, is making the jokes, making fun of women women versus a woman? It depends on, there's so many yeah. things that depend. I mean, so there's it depends nuance. on the context, there's nuance. And the way I see it is, I mean, frankly, the humor shouldn't be off limits because if we can't laugh about something, how can we discuss it? 
Yeah, it's I think laughter is a great uh, open door for making for sorting out your feelings. Like, as I like to say, Alice and I have very similar uh, childhood damage. Uh, So this is kind of crafted a similar sense of humor. And I I think being able to laugh at some of the harder things in life is what gets you through having a fucked up life. But, you know, there's perfect quote from uh, Carrie Fisher. If my life wasn't funny, it would just be true. And that's simply unacceptable. Mm, Yeah, that's really profound and, and accurate. I had a happy hour event with a friend of mine and we both went through really severe eating disorders and abusive relationships so that was the theme of our happy hour was like eating disorders and trauma and we were laughing through the whole thing you know and it it, it did feel like a cathartic kind of healing experience and there was as you mentioned there's nuance so we weren't poking fun at people who went through these things we were we were able to laugh in ways that felt respectful at, at least to us it's you were laughing at your personal experiences and some like uh, yeah. it's and I think that's fine if you're finding a way to to cope with those little things in your life and it's like I like the the jokes that are quote off limits are you know for example rape jokes I'm like if you make a joke about the victim that's a problem or you know more than likely it's a problem if you make a joke about if you're poking fun at Harvey Weinstein and calling him a horrible person as the as the core of your joke I don't think anyone should complain about that. Yeah, uh, that or even talking, having a discussion uh, about the subject isn't taboo, you know. Um, but that's the thing; it depends. How is this, this topic being discussed? You know, I totally agree with you. You know, it's not about you know people. You know, there's this term that's been coming about these last few years: punching up, punching down. Um, punching across and I feel like a lot of non-comedians throw it all over the place um but to an extent if you are a writer um you know there is a th- you know there is a um a concept of punching down um verse uh, versus discussing um top uh, discussing a topic and discussing a premise and punching across and the problem is a lot of people don't know how to differentiate so the problem is that you know just because your line might be crossed or you feel uncomfortable discussing a subject a lot of people will look at the at as punching down where a lot of times it's not but there are clear instances where you know someone suffered something exceptionally traumatic and it's i mean let me put it this way if anyone else said it 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 could be potentially like almost like a bullying thing. Um, man, this is not helping without good examples. Yeah, like like I'll we'll joke about we we will joke about our fucked up childhoods, but other people don't get to joke about our fucked up yeah, childhoods. Exactly. I think that's a yeah, yeah. It's like let me joke about my own damage, right? And then don't use an example of oh well they did it and they were funny, so I'm allowed to when you're just copying someone else's joke and it's not personal to you. I mean, on the kind of on the converse side, I think a lot of people who their their acts at this point are all just I'm gonna complain about the kids being offended. I'm like, dude, get a new joke. The the I identify as a an attack helicopter joke is old and you only have 14 copies of it and like everyone's recycling this just be an original pain in the ass at least Mm. yeah I'm with you I'm with you so tell us about the crayons because I think they're awesome I love obviously there is a boner blue boner pill blue boner pill blue what inspired you to create these yeah, so um, you know, I always people always ask about the origin story, and I think that's the most boring part about the crayons, uh, because they were just kind of an idea that I threw out there because 
I wanted to create something. And shockingly, crayons are easy to manufacture. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love that that's the story. And, but what's been yeah. more interesting to me is really what's come of it. And especially in this culture where, you know, last few years of cancel culture and people not sure what they feel like they can and can't discuss and holding people accountable. Um, you know, where do these fit in? And what's been interesting is seeing... Um, you know, where I've been able to push lines, uh, as well as where I've been able to see a lot of hypocrisy on both sides from, you know, conservatives and liberals. Yeah. So, for example, um, I'm actually banned off Amazon. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that, but... Uh, That's a thing that can happen to you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as a seller, you can get banned off Amazon. And, you know, people will say, well, yeah, they don't have to hold, have your product. And I agree with that concept. You know, as a business person, no one should be telling me what I should and shouldn't ban from my store that's up to me the creator um now that said let's talk about what the policies are and what i care about is trans uh transparency consistency and was does it, it make sense wasn't the reason for you being banned that you offended and i quote children and white people children and caucasians were Sorry. the technical words yeah. that was she wow. uh, it's you know what at least at least it proves which which grouping of us is the most easily triggered snowflakes wow. <laughs> the white crayon what's the white crayon called privilege again? privilege yeah. yeah that i can see i can see why that would make someone angry if they're a very sad human yeah you can get shadow banned on amazon too that happened to me with my book when it came out oh man yeah. and so you could i was promoting it through audio primarily and so people would search and it wouldn't come up Mm-hmm. Just how you know sex workers are shadow banned on Twitter and that Instagram kind of thing. and yeah. yeah yeah it's 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 interesting because then you see them selling other products that you're like huh how is this okay yeah I'm just saying Amazon is the number one dealer I would guess of of uh, everyone's favorite back massage tool which no one's using their Hitachi for their back it's so true <laughs> it's so, so true so that's fine for them to sell but yeah. crayons with bad words on it yeah. yeah. So, I mean, overall, it's been uh, an interesting ride uh, just really seeing how people react to it. I mean, what's been fantastic is overall people have been super positive and getting the crayons. And we just launched actually a coloring book uh, called Happy Little Dictators. So if you've ever wanted to see Hitler sketching like Bob Ross or Mussolini Look. slurping on spaghetti, we have something for everyone. It's, I'm just saying if like, you know, the, the, the whole question of if you could go back in time and kill baby Hitler, well, you know, I would not, but I would get him into art school. That's uh, all that we. That's all we needed was him to get into art school. It I'm, would make a huge difference. Yeah, for sure. Just why for couldn't sure. they accept his landscapes as good yeah. enough? <laughs> Where <laughs> can people buy your book and your crayons? Yeah, uh, so offensivecrayons.com, and there's a special promo code, uh, girlboner, one word. Uh, so you guys type it in, you get a 10% discount. Awesome. And we have the holiday season, we have the political edition in stock. So when you, you're finally equipped, uh, you know, to handle that racist uncle at Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> I can just imagine. And I want to hear all of your stories, so please email them to me. <laughs> this is so amazing. I'm going to ask you a question that always, I, I find it a little, I don't know, it's sometimes challenging to answer, but it's also just sort of, there is no like best sex tip. But for some reason, I want to ask you this because I think you both do similar work that I do in, you know, in your own beautiful, unique way. Um, and I would love to hear just something that maybe you've learned from talking with people about sex. What's something that you feel that people should should know or consider? God, where to start? So, yeah, where to start? Um, I, um, 
I think that people, and this is going to sound like the thing that everyone says, but the reason that people say to communicate with your partner more is however much you're communicating, you be upfront. I mean, I, uh, it's, I banged my husband the night before our scheduled first date. Like, so within 20, like we, we'd known each other online for four months. We, uh, uh, we both got single, uh, within like a week of each other and started, flo- anyways, I flown back from, uh, from New Hampshire to California. I had a horrible flight and I texted him. I'm like, I know we're supposed to go out tomorrow, but I had a bad day and I would really like to get laid. So if it goes well, we can do it again tomorrow. If not, we can pretend this whole thing never happened. Uh, punchline, he's my husband. Uh, but I think and my point of bringing up that story is that I think people hold back on what they really want sexually and they they think I need to keep the sex but you know what bang on the first date figure out if you're going to want that because you have if you are going to if you're dating in order to eventually land in a permanent ish relationship um you should probably find out if you're sexually compatible right away and prioritize that on some level because if you're not about 80% compatible uh, things are or you don't you know or you're not on the same page regarding being poly or mono or whatnot uh, that's going to be a problem long term so communicate as soon as possible, in my case, the night before our first date. As you were sharing that, I was picturing little girl you in her, her anal sex <laughs> debut, and I just thought, oh, you've come so far. Oh, that man. was really sweet. Oh. And sometimes she actually does, too. Thank you, Yvette. How about you, Alice? Um, so, yeah, I mean, to add on to what Yvette said, I mean, and that's not only for, you know, brand new relationships. The same can be said for long-term relationships. I mean, I was with a partner for several years, and it wasn't until, like, six years in. It's like, hey, by the way, I uh, I have this specific fetish I've always been hesitant to tell you about yeah. uh, because he made the assumption I was too conservative. Um, so one porn cast later. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, in all seriousness, though, uh, a lot more people should be a little bit more open and honest. And that's the thing. If your partner can't necessarily satisfy that need, they're, they will be more than likely at least willing to try. Because if you're with someone, why wouldn't they want to see you happy, especially, you know, in the bedroom? Most people are willing to please. And if you're yeah. not with someone who's really willing to please and looking out for your enjoyment that's probably not a great relationship to be in. Um, But another thing I will mention, um, so I was reading Nina Hartley's book on an airplane, and uh, she has a fantastic book, Nina Hartley's Hartley's Total Guide to Sex. Buy it, read it. She has an entire section about how to suck the clitoris. um, Treated like a penis man, seriously. Yeah. Not, not, not that anyone, not that Nina Hartley needs any more promotion because everyone knows who she is, but follow Nina Hartley. This is, she's, she's just, awesome. You know, she's fantastic. She's so, and she's so authentic, not only yeah. in her cunnilingus on screen, but as a person. Just, oh, yeah. She's a very big hearted, loving, caring individual. When we had her on, it was just a mountain of information just yeah. spilling out. And mm-hmm. we're like, we could interview her for three more hours and yeah. not even scratch the surface uh-huh. of what she knows. And it's, she's, she's, deeply honest and I I love that about her yeah ditto big shout out to Nina for sure for sure yeah the communication is is so big and most people do really care it it would really hurt me to find out that someone wasn't expressing because they don't have to it doesn't have to be their fantasy as you were saying or what if you both have the same fantasy and you've been holding back yeah like oh that happened oh, to yeah. me. I, uh, yes. I dated a guy for, for a while who um, only told me after a long time 
that he was into the kitty girls from anime that have like the ears and the the little tail. So hmm. I got myself a, t- a butt plug with a tail on it. Aww. You know, you if it's something that that you might not be into, but it's going to turn your partner on a ton. Dive in. Why not? The yeah. look, it's he fucked me like he hadn't fucked me in a long time. It was like the first sex all over again. Because it so. becomes a turn on for you. I mean, obviously, there are exceptions. There are things that people don't feel comfortable doing, but. But usually, yeah. I think what happens is whatever your turns your partner on kind yeah. of becomes a turn on for you in some way. Yeah, it's because you see you see their reaction, yeah. and it's you know it's like oh this thing is very sexy to them, and you know, so so what if I got a collection of tails uh, butt plugs with tails in them? <laughs> I'm just saying it was a worthwhile investment. Smaller than the basketball, I hope. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh, the egg basket. There's also the giant tentacle. Oh, I have the tentacle. I same here. I haven't. I have not attempted to mount it yet. Yeah, bad dragon tentacle. It's about sixteen inches. I'm sh- and this is a butt plug. Uh, it's or it's a just anal toy. You can put it into either. I, I think you can put it orbis. into any hole. And of course, they like they they attach onto the wall. So if you're if you're motivated and lonely, you can do this on your own. It's just. The, the giant, the egg butt plug, though, like, I think there had to have been a miscommunication on what size I ordered, but... Whew. That's a hard thing online, though, is to know what size you're ordering. Yeah. And they do custom products, so I love bad dragon toys, but in all seriousness, most people don't realize what the difference between an extra small or a small is versus the medium. Yeah. Because medium sounds, I mean, when you put on a shirt, most mediums fit you know a lot of people yeah Yeah. I'm sure I ordered the medium egg uh why didn't I order the extra, extra, extra small if that's the medium? <laughs> that just, I mean, yeah. I, I could have, It's there's a chance the order got screwed up or there's a chance that I did not read carefully enough. But I knew, <laughs> would have never thought medium would be bigger than, the, there is an office kitten in here today and that thing is much larger than the office kitten. We had tape measures. I'm not even kidding when I say we spent a solid like two to three weeks measuring everything and figuring out sizes and measuring all my different dildos and toys and figuring out do you okay, have it in a binder a honestly there's <laughs> basically a dildo binder at alice this point. alice you one of alice's biggest turn-ons is, a, is making binder she has what do is you it do like, like excel charts and stuff I, I mean i've kind of switched over to to google docs on this um but yeah i mean look mm-hmm. i'd like to stay organized uh and for me for a long time physical binders were great because um for me, something physical in front of me was just easier to manage and maintain versus notes thrown all over the place. Um, I've definitely gotten a lot better when it comes to my organization skills. But I mean, binders are kind of my thing to the point that I had, when we moved apartments, I had to get rid of over 60 binders. Oh, wow. That's uh. You're an intense human, Alice. <laughs> You're welcome. It's one of one of the two of us has to be organized. So everyone though, who listened to this me. is either rushing off to the office store, or they are on Pleasure Chest or some other site, and they are looking for all these different. Which binder will turn you on the most? Which binder and which? What was the big tentacle? The tentacle. It's the big te- from Bad Dragon. They yeah. also have penis sheets, which they make they make the dick look, turn into a monster dick. Why do like, people literally. not mo- know about these? I didn't know about this. That's one thing that I did learn from the podcast slash one of our, you know, from getting this from. Ba- I did not know there were sheets that one could put over a penis. Um, that was that was enlightening yeah, and a lot a, of fun. There are inflatable uh, toys that go over all kinds of parts and oh, yeah. in in your anus. It's. I'm just saying that it's. I, you haven't lived until you've seen cum shoot out of a tentacle dick. It's just, it's very, it's very interesting. I, I feel like that's the perfect. 
perfect ending. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Thank you both so much for being here. You're so much fun. I just, I love chatting with you. I hope everyone will check out all your stuff. Tell them where they can find you and listen and follow along. So you can find me over at all of the Cybabe things at facebook.com slash Cybabe. Twitter and Instagram are both at the Cybabe and of course Cybabe.com. And I also write at the outline at itself. Uh, You can find me at all the different places being snarky, sciencey, and uh, and a bit of an asshole. But (laughs) I'm a fun, fun, uh, friendly one. Alice. You are. Well, you guys can listen to both of us on uh, any platform which you guys uh, listen to. So Spotify, uh, Pandora, iTunes, YouTube, however you want. Uh, Two Girls, One Mic. Uh, The Porncast, uh, by the way, make sure it's the one with the white background, a microphone, and a bra hang- pink bra hanging off it. There are a few other Two Girls, One Mic, and we are Two Girls, One Mic, The Porncast. Yeah, um, we and people are like, well, you should have sucked your name better, and we did. They appeared after us. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, so just spell it Two Girls, One Mic. If you're not sure, just go to twogirlsonemic.com, uh, and you, know, you could find everything from there. Uh, but you can find the crayons, offensivecrayons.com. Again, promo code Bo- uh, Girl Boner for 10% off. Uh, and oh, catch me uh, on Twitter at Rational Blonde or, you know, the other Twitter for the podcast uh, at TGOM Podcast. Fantastic. Thank you both again. Thank Alice you for having and us. And if you're enjoying Girl Boner Radio, please hit subscribe if you haven't and leave us a reading and review. Thanks so much for listening and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week. Girl Boner Radio is owned, operated, and executively produced by me, August McLaughlin, with technical producer and audio extraordinaire, Mackenzie Mazel, as part of the Period Podcast Network, an affiliate of Starburns Industries. Learn more about the Girl Boner podcast, brand, movement, and book series at girlboner.org, and more about Period at periodnetwork.com. 